Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us today. And I have one of the sweetest people that I know joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. She is the host of her own live stream every week. You can see this this lovely lady talking to people from all over the world, like London, Kentucky, and Athens, Georgia, and no, I'm kidding. She's more global than that. She is the host of the Work Beast. Works be Work Beast. I probably <laughs> I've just fouled that up, but she's going to correct me here in just a minute. Like Brian, that's a terrible way to introduce your guest. I can't help it. It's all I got. Emily Elrod joins me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Emily, how are you today? Now that I have. Once again, butchered the fire out of this introduction of yours. <laughs> no, I am blessed beyond measure to be speaking with you today because, as I said earlier, it is always fun and entertaining whenever I have a conversation with you. And yes, the company's name is called Worksby because we help people go from human workers to being human beings, as I feel that God has designed us to be. <laughs> well, let's start there because your path is so incredibly interesting. You've not taken a conventional route to get to where you are. And we'll dive into that in just a few minutes. But let's talk about real life right now. So many people are working from home as as our economy starts to get back to normal and things like that. How do we as human beings separate ourselves from our work in the right way? Well, I think there's a, a part to it that a lot of people call it work-life balance. And like, there's like this scale. Um, and I actually had this conversation with my husband the other day because we were looking at, um, we were actually doing some of our, we do marriage counseling. And, and in that part, we were looking at a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about how do you view work? How do you view life? And the question that we came from it and we talked about is that I believe it's synergy in them all. So whenever you are in work, you're giving all your effort to it. Whenever mm -hmm. you are in life, you give all your effort to it. Because the thing is, is I feel like we're put on this earth to do work, but that is purpose. So yes. whenever my work is my purpose, it flows into every part because it's what I love and it's what I know I'm designed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's different whenever you're living that out that way, but well, if you're just doing work for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. That's a different side too. And so being also that my stuff is leadership, I'll say most of my lessons, I feel like I learned from home yep. and how I lead my kids or seeing ways <laughs> my poor kids, my poor family, they are my guinea pigs for everything. Um, mindfulness, gratitude, how to have a conversation. But if the thing is, is if I, as a leader, if I can't lead my house first or have me and my husband, if we can't lead our kids, how are we going to lead others? That is so true. And, and here's the thing. The Bible has taught us from the very beginning of time, if a man or a woman won't work, they don't eat. And that's, that's very biblical. So, you know, God, I believe God ingrained every one of us with the ability to do work, no matter what that work is, or, or we should have the desire to do work and things like that. How do you help people and talk to people when they say, you know, Emily, I loved my job but I'm just not feeling it right now because I feel like it's draining and sucking the life out of me. And I feel like that my job get, wants me to give so much that there is nothing left for me to give. That is a common 
phrase that I, that has been told to me or said about being burned out, stressed out. So I come from an approach that I help corporations create an environment where people can thrive and be in their best way that I believe the lead designer designed us. But from the other way, we have to control how we perceive thoughts and how we take in things. So what I always say is check, like have an energy check, just like you can check your phone and see what the battery level is. Do you know what your energy level is? And if you are getting burned out, if you're getting stressed out, you have to make sure that you can check in and refill it. You can do refilling in different ways through prayers. One, my faith is a huge thing that, that, that fills my cup up. But the other thing that I've learned is that the work we do, if you do it right, it will drain us at times. Like these conversations, anytime I have my podcast or any of the live streams, I'm drained after that because I want to give my best to it. Well, I'm sure after you talked to me the other day that you probably needed to take like a two hour nap or, you know, you did like, where's the Tylenol after I've talked to him? No, it's such a, but it's a fun conversation. And it's, the thing is, is that the power to listen takes a lot of energy. And yeah. most people come to me with their deep, dark problems or their deep, dark secrets or something there or their their transformative reflections that they're like oh can i park there for just a second because it feels like to me in our world emily that a lot of people use other people as dumping grounds <laughs> because it's like and, and i've said this to my wife of almost 24 years because now social media is the place where a lot of people, they say, well, I've just got to vent. I've got to vent. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. You don't have to vent. Nobody cares that somebody cuts you off in traffic or they, they gave you the wrong pickles on the chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Like nobody cares. You know, we've got <laughs> so many. Why do you think people today have an incessant need to rant vent or dump on other people, either personally or through social media? That's simple. Their childhood, typically, or it's a way that they have let, let out that they need are needing attention or seeking attention, that they're not getting at home, work, or play. It's that, for me, what I found, and I did my own life, um, and through my own self-discovery of, like, why am I doing these things? Because what I talk a lot about is how our thoughts lead to our feelings, which leads to our actions, to our behaviors. Like, and all that came out of biblical practices where I was yeah. mad at God because like, I have a master's degree in health science. Like I'm supposed to be eating right and um, caring how my body looks. Like, you know, hey, Emily, let me tell you this. My dad whipped me as a child, so I should be messed up. <laughs> but my dad believed in spare the rod, spoil a child. Mm -hmm. And guess what? My dad whipped me with a belt when I was a kid, and I'm fine. And that's I'm the thing. totally fine. I have no psychological problems. I have no issues. But it feels like, Emily, and, and here's where I, and I wanted to jump in there with that. It feels like that people are looking for something to blame instead of taking in the responsibility themselves and go, well, I'm not a kid anymore. And, yeah, I may have had a crappy childhood, but I'm not a kid anymore, and God's blessed me with a good husband or a good wife. I have great kids. I mean, there are a lot of people that have overcome crappy childhoods to, to do really well in life. So I want to park there for what you said and, and expand on that for just a minute. Is it the incessant need for attention, or is it, a, is it a something that you've seen that's even deeper than that is – I didn't address these things before and now I'm going to address them and I'm just going to throw it out there. And if you're one of my social media followers, tough luck. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. What it, what I found is again, it going back that um, these are patterns that have came over and how our thoughts lead to our feelings, which leads to our actions to our behaviors. And so it's that thinking back of what originally started that thought process what had us get to that moment where we're like, oh, 
Okay. It's self-awareness. And what I found and what I see a lot of the times is that our, our mental game is huge and our lack of love or what we need in love being that is patient, kind, honest, understanding, and not boasting of ill will. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that really are missed out from a lot of people. And so people act different. And so whenever you see people, there's usually a deeper rooted issue of why they are behaving the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And so looking at ways that why asking yourself, why a Japanese, they do five whys. So Mm -hmm. why, 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 like, why are you doing this? Ask yourself again. And it's that deep reflection. And for me, my reflection comes back to the point that uh, God commands us to love others as we're supposed to love ourselves, but people Mm -hmm. don't love themselves. So how in Mm -hmm. the world are they loving others? Um, Because you tell they don't love each other people or uh, they don't love themselves because if they're showing how they love others by their actions on social media. Or they substitute things for love like shopping or, or in some cases, alcohol or, or drugs or things like that. And it, and it's not, those are not good ways to help yourself and to love yourself. They can be destructive ways. And so the cool thing is, is as a physiologist, so somebody that studies the body, that that is actually called dopamine releases. And so dopamine, I call the cheerleader. That's your rah, rah, that's your go. And those things are short hits. And you're going to have to keep wanting. <laughs> I put the Walmart water enhancer in here for my energy. So if the dopamine goes a little, little haywire during this conversation, just know that it's been chemically enhanced with the Walmart water enhancer. I love it. But the thing is, is that dopamine is the same thing that's uh, released with drugs. Same thing with sweets. But that is not true love. Love is what is we call oxytocin, and that is the love hormone. It is what's secreted for women whenever you have a baby. It is that bonding, and that takes time, and it's connection, and it's trust. That is true love. And I always give the example of think of your wedding day versus year, what, 24 that you're in. What's real love? You know, it's after you've went through all... Um, the hard times. And the cool thing is, is in first Corinthians, that's actually said to two enemies. Yep. But we say it all the time at weddings. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to break in here. I have told people that have gotten newly married. I said, listen, let me tell you something. The first time you walk in the bathroom and you see your spouse using the toilet, that's going to break all your stereotypes right there. The first time that that happens to you and you've got to spray stuff, I don't mean to be gross, but, but what I'm saying is, is you're right. Is, is year one, it's all honeymoon. It's all flowers and candy and sunshine and roses because to some point you're still dating your spouse. You've just asked them to marry you and, and you've known them intimately and things like that. Mm -hmm. Year 24, it's like, what are we having for dinner? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we got to go to the grocery. And we talk about, oh, we got to go to the grocery store and we got to go to Home Depot and we got this bill that came in and that bill that came in. The conversations, to your point, Emily, are not like they were, oh, what do you think our kids are going to be named? Mm -hmm. How many? We're going to have 10 kids, aren't we? Oh, that's what we're going to be the mini Duggars, you know, and it's not. (laughs) You know, and it's not, mm-hmm. that's not real life when, when you get to that point. I've walked through death with my wife, with not only her dad, but with my dad. I've mm-hmm. walked through major surgeries with my wife, not only on her end, but on my end. You know, and, and you get to that point where it's like, I better know why I fell in love with this person and while I, why I'm still here. Cause if I don't, this thing is going to go sideways quickly when you, and, and I want to, I want to jump to the marriage counseling. Cause I think that is so interesting. I have, um, a couple of dear friends of mine, Al and Lisa Robertson that have written books on marriage counseling and they walked through a real dark time. Al mentioned it on the podcast, 
When you're counseling with couples today, Emily, you and your husband are counseling with, with couples, what is the one thing that you hear most often that couples are struggling with? Well, I will say that we are getting counseling. And so we don't counsel others, but we do it ourselves. And ours is as a preventative approach. To that make is sure. so, I want to, I want to park on that for just a second. That is so smart because <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I would have saved myself a lot of headache, heartache, and hassle. The three H's in marriage, headache, heartache, and hassle. If my wife and I had done some of that preventative maintenance, so good on you, but, but continue on. Cause I, I think what you're saying is so good. So what I found is that, you know, we're preventative in so many other ways. I'm, I'm preventative in nature. That's what I, I love is to um, be proactive instead of reactive. And the thing is, is you hear stats about the year seven. And that seven is the year that a lot of things change. So I'm like, we need to make sure that we invest in ourselves and continuation on this. And then also the other thing is, is back to the importance of, I want my business to be successful. I want it to grow. And I believe it's a God thing. Yeah. But if I'm not successful in my marriage, nothing matters. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's for us to have um, continuing to date each other, to love each other. Um, we're connected in so many ways, but to continue that growth, because so many times we can get stagnant and we mm -hmm. don't need to. And so finding ways to have fun and continue that. Because here's, here's a cool thing. Before me and my husband got married, um, somebody's, I, I was listening to something and somebody said that, that you, it was a divorce attorney that said this. He goes, people research what car they're going to pick mm -hmm. more than what spouse they're going to marry. It's a good point. And I was like, Ooh. And so ever since then, it's just us continuing to have this more of a proactive approach so that we can be one because two yeah. became one. And, and, and my business success is his business success. Yeah. So his, his cow success that he loves his cows are my success. So never thought that was going to happen. You know, the biggest question in mine and my wife's marriage that we ask ourselves, where's the bio freeze? <laughs> because okay. we're getting to that point in our lives. My wife just turned 50 and I'll be 48 in, in a couple of months. And we're getting to that point. It's like, can you help me up the steps? Yes, I hope you up the steps. But you know something? I'll tell you this. You and I were talking before we started recording. I watched it day in and day out because we live next door to my wife's grandparents. They were, they were married for 70 years. Seven zero, y'all. Mm -hmm. Seven zero. And I watched my wife's granddad. I know that there were a lot of times that he wasn't in love with my wife's grandmother, but you could just see that when she walked into the room, his expression changed or when, you know, he would look at her and pat her or something like that. And I thought, I want that right there. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. That's mm -hmm. exactly what I want. And I've been very blessed. I have been around stable marriages. My parents were married for 41 years before my dad died. My in-laws were married for 39 years when my, my, my father-in-law passed away. I've been blessed to be around good, stable marriages. And it, it's always made me want to have a good, stable marriage. When you talk about being in business and you talk about your husband and you being together, there are, there are probably going to be people that are listening to this that either own their own business and they do their own thing and their, their spouse is kind of involved, but their spouse does something else. How important is it that couples be aligned together, either in business together or supporting each other in business? It's huge because here's the thing, me and my husband, we don't talk details as much, but if I, he is blunt. I say he's not user-friendly <laughs> because he is straightforward. You know, that love is patient, kind, honest. He parks on honesty so quick. So I can get offended, especially if it's something that I worked real hard on. So it's one, whenever you want that honest feedback, go to your spouse and you will actually get it. Um, and then the other thing that I've found is 
what happens whenever the taxes come in and you're an escort you guys are combined yeah what about whenever you have um your biggest success and you land i landed a um, few fortune 500 companies who's going to celebrate who's with you every day and how much better it is whenever you can win together but you also can lose together and you can mm -hmm. learn each other my husband knows me in and out um and that's funny too like even some of the assessments that we'll do like he knows we know what we're gonna say mm -hmm. and i'm a twin so i have a twin brother and the aspect is 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 growing up as a twin you always had somebody there with you and sometimes we would we'd do the joke thing and it'd be like we'd ask a question or somebody ask us a question they want us to we always said the same answer but it's the same thing I feel like with it with your spouse is that a lot of the times you're with this person so much they know you so much that it you can they can they can know and sense things and give you more self-awareness at times than you can mm -hmm. well and and it my wife and I know each other, what we, what each other are thinking and, and things like that a lot of times. And I, I kind of know what she's going to say and she, she knows what I'm going to say. And, and, you know, it's, you, you can get to that point in your marriage, like where the hardest question you are is like, was well, like, Oh, I had a great day today. It's like, okay, that's great. Can you take my plate to the kitchen? <laughs> you know? but you you have to know what you the thing that i will tell people emily is this i think you have to know what you want and what your expectations are and your spouse's expectations and especially if you're to the point it's like you know i just want to make you happy mm -hmm. i really don't care about the other stuff i just want to make you happy then i think you find that that balance and you know, my wife and I know what makes each other happy. We, we know it, you know, she is a logical type person. Her love language is take out the trash, clean the kitchen, run the sweeper. My love language is all, oh, come here, give me a hug, give me a kiss, baby, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we've had to learn to come to the fence and, you know, come to the fence of, Hey, if I want to do something nice for her, I'll run the sweeper through the house. That gets her attention. For me, it's like, oh, come here. Let mm -hmm. me give you a kiss and whisper in your ear. She knows that gets my attention. How important do you think it is in transitioning? How important is it for you and your spouse to be healthy together? So healthy can come in different ways. That's physically, mentally, spiritually. I'm gonna say spiritually first is really important. Um, specifically, if you're the man, um, it's a lot of pressure to lead a household and to provide. You have to have a sense of somebody in essence that you can offload to. And I believe that um, God is an amazing person to offload to because mm -hmm. this is something we thought that or my son was talking about the other day, me and him were, and he's nine and I swear kids are like the things they say. And we were talking about God and, and, and some of our issues that, that we have. And somehow we got on the, the topic that the earth doesn't even weigh anything to him. Mm-hmm. And that we are like, he loves Greek mythology and I forget which one he was talking about, but there's one Greek God that holds like the weight of the world on his shoulder or the sky on his yeah, shoulders. Yeah. And that's how we act. We act like that person, like that Greek God that has that sky on our shoulder, but we have a God that carries the earth and the systems and everything. And it doesn't even weigh anything to him. Well, think about it this way. The, the, the Bible says the earth is his footstool exactly and the thing so, is if if that's yeah. that little how much is it for us like our yeah. little problem yeah and so spiritually to be healthy to be able to offload that it is important but also um i think some of the key things that i've learned about health is that gratitude and connection supersede eating right and sleeping and all these other things um i've seen some uh one of the famous influencers and he talked about how he was going to talk about the food that makes you live right. And I said, unless that food 
is gratitude, um, connection, and love. I said, I, I wouldn't waste my time on it because yeah. the thing is, is that that's what studies have shown. shown. There's the, something called the Nun study, which talked about gratitude. We know that gratitude can increase our life by 17%, but we don't do it. And it's a simple, simple thing that we can do. So finding ways that we can be healthy, but focusing on the mind first, because like I was saying earlier, that's what the Bible says. And that's why I got, I got mad at God. Cause I'm like, you know, I went through all this education about health and we're talking about sleeping right exercise. But what he says is our thoughts. We need to control our thoughts more than what our body looks like or our, what we eat. And that, that just really struck yeah. me. And so my success in corporations and dealing with culture training changes, safety programs, wellness programs, all stem with how can we control this mind better? How can we reduce stress? What are some things that we can do intentionally so that we can bring connection, gratitude, and love to the workplace, which in essence will bring it back home? Mm -hmm. Well, in my case, I don't have much of a mind to, to, to reshape and, <laughs> and rethink. So I want to transition now to you and your background and how you got from point A to point B. Did you, what was like life growing up? So you mentioned you've got a twin brother. Are you the older or are you the younger? I'm older by six minutes. <laughs> You're older by six minutes. Oh my goodness. So being a big sister and the twin sister, t tell me what life was like growing up for you. For me, I've been blessed um, beyond measure. I have um, a father that I was grateful to be able to watch create a business, um, to grow a business. And I got to see what he has instilled in me is that whenever you focus on people, your bank account will, will reflect it in the end and how much importance it is to bring people in as if they're a family member. And when you bring them in, make sure that you can pay for their entire family because their problems are family problems and now they're one. So I got to have that. And then I had an amazing mother. I I'm actually at my parents' house right now because I got kicked out of my own house right this second. Um, we have an amazing cleaning lady that's cleaning right now. So it's not something I want to, but um, the thing is, it's like, this is a home. She's mm -hmm. always made this a home and finding ways that, I have been able to take those blessings and that I was taught young, like financial, um, my business. One thing I am so proud of is I did not have to take out a loan to start my business. That's awesome. I, That's incredible. I get to start on cash and how much less stress I have because I don't have to in the blessings that have been received from it because it's not my money. It's God's money. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that, um, in the process of, having my father gone a lot, we, and we've talked this out that I did miss some love. And mm -hmm. so in, in essence, I try to find love in all the wrong places because I still needed that father's love and he was there, but he would, his love was directed to how can I raise this? Or how can I provide? How can I, I do so that my kids can see and have a legacy and generational. And we've been in blessing of that. But I will say what I, I've also learned from that is in that process of looking in love in all the wrong places, I did end up having, um, and I'm, I'm actually proud of it now because I can speak with it with confidence because I believe that it led me to my journey that I am now. I had a child out of wedlock. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so what I talk about is the shame. <laughs> I had a child out of wedlock in the South while teaching Bible study. So I was like... <laughs> let's get the trifecta you know um, something and i'll say this and and i i have seen that growing up in church i've seen that because and, and you would see it a lot and i'm not trying to throw rocks at, at at this particular bunch of kids but i saw it a lot out of preachers kids mm -hmm. because i saw it because everybody put them up here and they put them on a pedestal and all they wanted to be was normal. So they did what they thought normal kids did mm -hmm. instead of, you know, and, and I'll share this with you. I, I have a cousin that's a youth pastor at a large church here in, in our, our area. And I told him one time, he said, he was talking to me about how the Lord delivered him from alcohol and things like that when he was in college. And I said, man, I don't have that real powerful, strong testimony, like 
You know, if I'd have brought alcohol into my dad in my house, my dad killed me. <laughs> my dad would just beat the living daylights out of me. People are like, man, Brian, your dad was abusive. No, my dad was not abusive. My dad loved me and he had rules and he had, if you're going to live in my house, this is the way it is. And my cousin told me, he said, I would trade my testimony for yours mm -hmm. because I wish I had never gone down that path. And he said, God protected you and gave you that. And so I, I, I mean, I think that's awesome that you found the redemptive power of the Lord. When you were walking through that, I want to, I want to go there for just a minute since, since you brought it up. What did you have to overcome from people closest to you? And, and I'm sure you've kind of felt some scorn and things like that because you're teaching Bible studies and you have a child out of wedlock. What, what was that like? What was that period of time like in your life? The irony in that I did not have people. I had myself. I was my hardest, my hardest critic was myself in the fact that my family loved me through it. They, and it was what I talk about is shame and that I was so ashamed of what I had went through that. And the other thing is, is what I talk a lot about too, is that how our mental well-being again, the power of that and what uh, led to me um, having my child was that that shame almost killed me in essence. Um, I had my child at 35 weeks. Um, my, uh, my contractions, because I've never had contractions, but whenever I did contract, it was my liver swelling breaking my ribs. I literally had bottled that up so much inside of me and not released it and shown love and that shame that I almost died. Mm. And then my son uh, almost died as well. And so what I learned from that is the power and it took, took a still time afterwards for me to see that the power of true love mm -hmm. and that love that is, that is patient, that is kind, that is honest, that is understanding. I'll tell you the one thing that really was something also that was very real to me is that during that time, I guess my biggest critics ironically was from the church. And how, when I believe that I totally believe that whenever the thing is, is there, there's real, uh, as somebody that knows again, the body and how really designer there's chemical imbalances mm -hmm. and I was depressed whenever mm -hmm. you have somebody that's depressed and at their low, low, what they gave me was the verse, um, of where, um, who was repenting about, uh, Bathsheba, mm -hmm. um, David, David. Yeah. And they gave me that verse. And at times now that I reflect, I'm like, that didn't make at that time I needed encouragement. I didn't need to say, Hey, you sinned really, really bad that, um, you know, God's going to forgive you, but you're going to have to like maybe take some hell for it because of this. At that time I needed to know what love was and I still didn't. I needed to know that, Hey, God has got you through this. And the other thing that happened is, once I had um, my child, I did have um, induced a psychiatric, a psychiatric uh, or psycho psychosis, sorry. Um, and so literally they had to give me Ativan, like knock me out um, mm. because I thought that the uh, men at the time that I'd been in a relationship with, again, finding love in all the wrong places, mm -hmm. that he was going to come steal my baby. Cause he told me he didn't want my child and he, he did not want him to be alive. And yeah. so that I should take care of that. And I said, not a chance, mm -hmm. but my, at that time a preacher came in and he prayed over me mm -hmm. and he didn't pray to say, Hey, like, you know how, before we started this, this prayer of like overcoming and, and it was a prayer of condemnation. <laughs> Oh, I can, I can totally, I can totally see. It's like God right now, you know, your child has sinned unmercifully. You know, <laughs> they have sinned unmercifully. <laughs> they have done so much wrong and you're sitting there going, I know. <laughs> Next. No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and God, 
you're a god of judgment and you're a god of yeah yeah trust me i i know exactly what what you you know in those times it's like where is grace like god is grace point of it all that i learned that was so powerful and i'm blessed i'm so blessed for my family that had that i told the day i told my mother and my father okay let's do this that we're gonna love this kid hey yeah you made a mistake but okay next step let's move on forgiving you done but it felt like there was so much time it took me to forgive myself because I was on this trajectory to perfection. I was living this stair, like this ladder approach that we see life as that life mm-hmm. basically goes, you're going to go from one stair step to another stair step. And you're just going to climb this ladder of success. Were you in that, high school or college when you, when this I was happened? 21, wow. I was 21, um, whenever, um, this happened. And what I say, um, is that it is the bit, biggest blessing in my life because it is what God like had to give me so that then now I can meet my husband because my husband didn't meet my checklist. All I dated was professional athletes. And all I had, like I had like this list that I had to go by, they had to be a certain height, you know, all these things. And then I met my husband who was patient, he was kind, like he, he yeah. was like, he's honest, you know, and he loves me. And the thing is, is that before that, you know, you hear you don't need to have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I truly understood why waiting for marriage was so important. Yeah. And, and how it set me up for success for now that my marriage that I am. So now that I can have the business that I have, like, if you actually look at my life and my trajectory, like, I think God put different things in my life so that I could be yeah. at the success level that I am at. And it's, it's all his credit. Well, and I told my wife the same thing, Emily. I said, you and I are not going to get together until your last name is the same as mine. Mm-hmm. Because I had made that mistake. She had made that mistake. I wasn't what she dated. You know what her criteria was? She told the friends that, that set us up together. She said, I want somebody that doesn't drink, that doesn't smoke, and will take me to church. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. I mean, and, you know, I checked those, those checklists off for her and, you know, um, thank the Lord 24 years later with contact lenses and losing some weight. You know, I'm actually halfway, halfway desirable. And my wife's a beautiful girl. I mean, I, I totally married up, but you talked about chasing and dating professional athletes. What did that teach you about finding the person that you ended up with? Because I would think there are a lot of people that go, well, I want a certain type, or maybe somebody's listening to this and go, well, they've got to do this or that. What was it about a professional athlete that attracted you? I think it's the mindset that, um, for me, I've always been attracted to that mindset of pushing to the next level, pushing to who cares if they treated me bad? Mm-hmm. Hey, you are challenging. And you, it was something that in essence, if I look back, it was somebody I felt like I could, I could have hope in, but I also could fix. You didn't um, care about the money because there were a lot of people. And, and the reason I asked that question is, is there are some people that are attracted to professional athletes because of the, of the money nah. that, that is potentially there, that the earning power that those, those people tend to have, that wasn't it for you. No, I've always been from the mindset that I'm very independent. And yes, um, me and my husband, we, we share a bank account, but I, my goal is to make enough money that he can retire and handle the cows all the time. And so I, money has never been a driver because, but the thing is, is I've never seen money as mine. I've always seen it as God's. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's, that's another thing that's a little bit different on my end. Well, and, and a lot of people, and I hear a lot of Dave Ramsey in what, in, what you, in what you're talking about, and I've studied a lot of Dave Ramsey's things too, and he does talk about that. You know, it's, it belongs to him because he gave it to us, and, and, and we're, we're to steward that. As you counsel with people and you talk to people about business, as you, as you work with businesses and you work with their employees, what are you hearing as the number one stressor of people? Um, 
because that's your business. I mean, not to interrupt. That's your business. You want people to be healthy emotionally, physically, spiritually. You're trying to really get them to understand that's a whole, that it's a holistic approach. And so I've done feedback surveys for thousands and thousands of people all over from Canada to Ecuador. I, it's never been any different. Um, all, there's always four main things. People want to be less stressed. They want to be more supported. They want to eat well and they want to move around. And so those are the, those are the four things that I've found that stress people out is one stressors. Like, what are they? Are you identifying them? A cool thing that we do is called um, frustration eliminations. So a lot of people do lean Six Sigma, which is waste elimination. Lean's amazing if you do it right. But most times it's brought in on the back end and it's like, Hey, let's cut these things. And this waste might be people. Um, where I, ours is a human approach and let's say, Hey, let's look at this frustration Mm. And let's see, what is it stemming from? Looking at it from a human approach. So those are the things. People want to be connected. And we know, according to Google's study of 35,000 employees, psychological safety. People mm. want to have conversations and not feel guilty for saying and being a, what I call a hot human who mm -hmm. is humble, open, and transparent. I would think a hot human would be somebody that just sweats all the time as my <laughs> air conditioner's in the background. Like I've been a hot human cause I've been 360 pounds. Oh, like, man, I'm burning up, you know, how to get to the air conditioning. Emily, let me ask you this. You've talked about a huge obstacle in your life that, that was a huge blessing in having a child out of wedlock. What is another obstacle that was a really big obstacle in your life that, that you had to overcome and what, what did you learn from it? Whew, I've got a few of them. Um, I'll say it does stem from. I mean, uh, we can put this podcast into about 10 parts. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I got no problem with that. No, um, a lot of it stems from self-awareness. Um, but and the perception of was it ever an obstacle or was it always seen as an opportunity? So I've been blessed with a father that he had taught me since young. He goes, I know a hundred different ways not to make a splicer. Um, but the one way I did it right, look at the life it gave us. So, and that's what I say. I said, I know a hundred different ways not to do a wellness or safety program, but the one that I did right allowed me to continue to do a little bit more right and continue on the process. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's this one time that's probably very, one of the most memorable ones that I can think of. Actually, I can think of two right now. One, um, was whenever I had, I was pregnant eight months pregnant. I was in a funeral home and I was talking, obviously I'm pregnant. Um, <laughs> and this guy said to me, Oh, you're pregnant. Well, yeah. Which all women love to be noticed that they're, you're getting big. Thanks y'all. Um, but yeah. what, what he said, he goes, Oh, your life's about to be over. I said, what? Um, one, I had so much at that time I was frustrated, but now I look back on it and I have empathy for that guy. Cause what made you get to that point to think that a child is going to ruin your life? Mm -hmm. For me, my children are some of my biggest blessings and grace. And I believe I have amazing kids and mm -hmm. I'm grateful for them. So, but he said, it's, it's over. And I was talking about how I was going to get my master's degree. And he's like, no, you're not. He goes, just mm -hmm. might as well kiss that all goodbye. If I, if I had another mindset, a fixed mindset that what people said upon me was truth, I would have quit. Mm -hmm. But instead that was not, and that's the thing. It may have never been an obstacle. It was an opportunity to say, uh, screw you. I'm going to show you else. And I have, mm -hmm. um, because I don't think people should be limited by their situations or by their gender. I don't think, yeah, or by your race, point. religion, your culture, whatever it may be, you should not be limited by those factors. I believe that we are all created equally because underneath mm -hmm. this skin, our physiological processes are all the same. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing of it is, it, 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 it is the, we live in the greatest country of opportunity. Like you literally, you can start a business right here. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, 
you can do a podcast with a computer and a webcam and a microphone and halfway decent voice. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's the great, we live in a great time and a great opportunity. And so I love what you said there underneath the skin. We're all the same. We are. Our, our, our blood looks the same. We still have yeah. the same heartbeat, same heart. Like, everything is the same but so many well times, in my family we have a tendency to drop dead from heart issues kind of early so, so you all I, have yeah i i mean i get that checked out yeah it's like well i don't know about that we don't have the same heart but you no know, my wife's like look it's time for you to go get that thing checked out you know so emily i i appreciate listen this is what i appreciate about our conversation and our friendship is the fact that it's real you're not we we you know how many questions i have written down to ask her zero it's just a conversation that we're having so in our last few minutes together share with the audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement because we're living in some unusual times I'm sure the companies that you're working with, their people are going through unusual times in the midst of this pandemic. And thank the Lord we're coming out of this thing. And, and you know, we, we've got some race things going on right now that are unfortunate. But what's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement, Emily? I would say my biggest piece of intentional encouragement is be you. Because you are a human at home, work, and play. It's not a versus and to intentionally find ways that you can do how you are gifted and how you are blessed to be. And I'm thinking back on a post I did on LinkedIn earlier and it was a post of a guy that's just like, it's tons of faces just smiling and they were all just smiling. And while watching it, you, you, most people are going to start smiling because our body has this amazing thing called mirroring neurons. So when we see something that we're used to, we're more likely to do it. So if I smile, you're more likely to smile. But then I thought about it. What if people were so used to love or curiosity or gratitude that it was so easily mirrored by our neurons that we didn't have to think about it. What if we could be intentional with setting out with reaping and sowing our blessings and love and that love again, that is patient, kind, honest, understanding and not boasting bill will. What if we could do that? And that's my encouragement for everybody listening is find ways that you can reap and sow into others what you've been gifted with start with a smile and once you have smile try gratitude thankfulness curiosity ask questions being honest those are the things that can really spark change because once it becomes used to becomes a habit and once a habit's there it can start getting into the culture because mm -hmm. who you surround yourself with is who you're going to be like mm -hmm. And so that sphere of influence, you be that center of sphere of influence. You control that. Be the difference. That is so good. That is so good. I was trying to Google mirroring neutrons while you were talking. <laughs> Neurons. Neurons. See, I, see, this it's over my head. It's okay. <laughs> That's why you're the smart one, and I'm the one that just talks like, you know, I have some modicum of, of sense of what I'm saying. Emily Elrod, tell folks where they can go and find you, find your content. Maybe there's a business owner out there that wants to say, hey, I'd like to work with, with, this, with this Georgia Dynamo right here. <laughs> so you can find me at worksbee.com. That's W-O-R-K-Z-B-E.com. Or you can reach out to me at Emily at worksbee.com. And then finally, you can find me on social media. So I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. So what about um, the Twitter machine? You're not on the yeah, Twitter machine? I stay away from Twitter. That's enough as is. And 
but you can find me at Emily Elrod. So I'm not on See, the See, I've stayed away from Instagram because it's like, I, I was like, okay, why do I want to put pictures up of myself or something <laughs> like that? It's like, nobody wants to see me as it is, you know, why would I want to put pictures up of myself? Well, I will say that mine are mostly of my personal account is mostly of my puppies, chickens, or some farm animal that I have, um, or my kids, which could be counted as farm animal half the time. And yeah. then, um, or personal, we do a lot on inspirational content. I love um, it. I love so it. Find us there. And LinkedIn as well. You can find her yeah. on LinkedIn at Emily Elrod, E-L-R-O-D. Emily, this has been a blast. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Worksby. I got it right. Worksby. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Happy dance. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't dance well. <laughs> Six foot three, 270 pounds doesn't dance well. Trust well, I'm, me. I'm 4'10". So I'm... Um, so yeah. So if we were standing next to each other, it'd be like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins, right? Exactly. <laughs> Mutt and Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, is your husband tall? Uh, taller. Everybody's taller. taller. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> He's five nine, but a giant, a, a giant, right? Almost 12 inches taller than me. Yeah. Well, I'm almost 12 inches taller than my wife too. So it's, yeah. <laughs> Emily Elrod, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you. You have a blessed one. You too. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.